This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly is starting right now. My name is Bobby Simmons. I'm the Emergency Management Administrator for the City of Irvine, and I'm attending IAEM uh, 2017 this year to um, always pick up uh, some best practices from the breakout sessions, listen to uh, some good keynote speakers speaking on uh, various topics from disasters that we've experienced late in 2017, and uh, ultimately just a great networking opportunity. EM Weekly is sponsored by Titan HST, a comprehensive emergency alert system and mass notification system suitable for business, governments, and schools. Learn more at TitanHST.com. Hey, welcome to EM Weekly. This is your host, Todd DeVoe, and this week we're doing the IAEM, the International Association of Emergency Managers Conference in Long Beach, California. It was great to be there to get to interview a lot of great people walking around, and including uh, some participants and some of the, the vendors that were there. And I even ran into Ellis Stanley, and we have a great interview with him. And I think that you really enjoy what we had to talk about, kind of like what's going on in the EM today and what the future is, and you know, that was kind of that type of stuff. I had the honor of uh, speaking in front of the student group this year, and it was exciting to see uh, young people coming up through the ranks, getting their degree in emergency management, other people that were there getting their degree in meteorology, but focus on emergency management, which I thought was really kind of cool. I got to meet a meteorologist there, and then we're going to have him on the show here later on, but that, that type of stuff is thinking outside the box of what exactly can we do in this field of emergency management and who we need to invite to the table, I think, is what I got out of this conference this year. So learned a lot of good stuff, met a lot of great people again. I ran into some old friends that I haven't seen in a long time, and like I said, made some new friends. Titan HST was our sponsor, and we were at their booth. People stopped by. Thank you for those of you that stopped by. I know I said that last week um, as well, but seeing it again, I just want to say it was awesome seeing everybody over there, shaking hands with people that uh, I've listened for a long time, uh, been there with us from the beginning. I do really, do really, really, really appreciate that. So, well, let's start the show. Good morning. My name is George Glenn. I'm with Teeks, Texas Engineering Expansion Service. Uh, it is conference has been just a wonderful opportunity for us uh, able to interact with potential customers and showcase uh, courses not only from Teeks but also with the NDPC. All right my name is Andrew Yarosh uh, also from Millersville University this is my second time at the uh, annual IAM conference and currently president of our student chapter. Uh, very thankful to be here and accept uh, our award we were student chapter of the year and got to bring some undergrads a uh, larger group this time around and uh, getting out of it, everything I can imagine. It's been great. Cool. Uh, my name is Jessica Fink. I'm a student at Millersville University, uh, attending this conference for the first time. Got a lot of great information out of this and a lot, also some great networking and chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> Hi, I'm Adam Roser from Millersville University, a grad student. Um, this is my first conference, so I'm usually used to going to meteorology conferences, but this is really cool in a way that um, it's different, different group of people that I'm being able to connect with, and I've learned a lot through the sessions, and it's been a great time. Cool. I'm Matt Clark, I'm also from Millersville University. Uh, this is my first time attending the conference. 
Uh, and it's an online program, so all the guys you just heard spoke, I met them for the first time here. Uh, so that's been great to network with my peers and my classmates. Uh, and I'm just happy to do the banquet tonight. Awesome. My name's Brian, and I just want to make your editing that much more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> My name is TJ Alba. I'm from the 92nd Civil Support Team. I'm studying emergency management, so I'm here at the conference just trying to make the most out of my professional development. My name is Jeff Robinson. I'm Disaster Management Area Coordinator for Area G of Los Angeles County. What I get out of the IEM conference is meeting, networking, understanding what other people are going through and how they've dealt with it. Hey Todd, I'm Ken Jones from Rochester, Minnesota. I'm the Director of Emergency Management for the City of Rochester. Uh, Rochester, Minnesota is the home of the Mayo Clinic. Um, I came to IAEM this year uh, as a speaker. I'm going to do a program on what we learned with uh, outreach to access some functional needs groups uh, that we did as part of our hazard mitigation plan. And um, that, that program is called Connect 2080 and it really talks about the shift in our thinking in emergency management from planning for the 80% uh, versus aiming our planning solely at the 20%. And if we do that, doesn't it also benefit the 80% that doesn't have disabilities? Cool. My name is Tammy. We are with Joint Task Force Civil Support, uh, DOD Response Operation. So we uh, anticipate, plan, and prepare for a Seaburn event. So we can be called up within 24 hours and we go to help out with logistics or any mitigate suffering. Um, we help with search and rescue and that type of thing. So when we go, we would be working with state and local and federal authorities, basically. So that's why events like these are so important, because we need to network with people, the other emergency managers, and we need to talk with them so that we can build a communication bridge, essentially, so that if an event happens, uh, we have already built that communication. And also, this helps uh, with training. So maybe we could get together with training and, and uh, work out any problems that we might have. So that's why conferences like these are so great for us. My name is Sean Scott, author of the Red Guide to Recovery Resource Handbook for Disaster Survivors, and IAEM has been a life changer for me in many ways, and this event is a must-go-to for any vendor that uh, provides services or resources for the emergency management industry. Todd, one of the reasons why we're here at uh, IAEM and the EMEX is that uh, Chef Minute Meals is part of anybody's planning during a disaster. And uh, one of the things that we get to meet here is, of course, a lot of state, city, and local officials, but also a lot of, of government, federal officials from FEMA and other agencies. And we found this to be a very, very beneficial show. And uh, we're looking forward to going to Grand Rapids next year. Well, this is, uh, we're here with FEMA, Integrated Public Alert and Warning System. Uh, we are here at this show because uh, we, uh, this is where the users of iPaws are, the button pushers. Uh, iPaws being a really a national system for local alerting, used by state and local authorities across the country. We have about a thousand agencies right now that are users. Allows them to send alerts directly to people in their area to cell phones via cellular broadcast, wireless emergency alert, and also connecting to radio and television for emergency alert system uh, emergency communication broadcasts. Emergencies happen. 
whether they're related to medical emergencies, threats of physical violence, weather related, or other. One of the most difficult things during an emergency is to find help and quickly and efficiently communicate with all parties, regardless of whether you're an administrator, law enforcement, or the end user. With Titan HST, we help distort time by creating high-tech yet simple to use mobile-based applications that connect you with the people who can help you. At Titan HST, we believe in the power of people. We're live here at IEEM, and uh, you know, obviously, we're recording this, but it's really cool. And I ran into Ellis Stanley, and for those of you guys who don't know who Ellis is, he's an amazing guy, really proponent of emergency management, one of the earlier leaders. But Ellis, tell us about yourself and how you got involved in emergency management, and and where you are now, and what's going on. First of all, Todd, thanks for um, giving me the opportunity to sit down and talk about something I'm very passionate about. And uh, I think we have had an amazing week here at the uh, in, in National Association of Emergency Management's conference. We've been able to learn a lot. We've been able to share a lot. Uh, I've only been in this business a little over 42 years. <laughs> I've been in a small jurisdiction in North Carolina and a medium-sized jurisdiction in Georgia. And uh, was fortunate enough to retire from a large jurisdiction like um, Los Angeles. And then in the private sector, being able to come back into some of these same communities and other communities and um, do meaningful work to help communities be more resilient. So over your 42 years uh, of being an emergency manager, you've seen the, the, the ebbs and flows, the styles of things that are happening. What direction do you think we're going right now and how do you think we're, we're achieving that? Well, a couple things. One, we constantly change, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. The, the world changes around us, and that change is necessary for us to adapt to what's happening. And we do that in a number of ways. We train, we change our uh, training needs. We change our education needs. And we uh, learn from those mistakes, hopefully, that we've made or those case studies that we've seen, and we try to uh, impart that. But in the world we live in, there's always going to be something new. There's always going to be that challenge that we didn't necessarily think of. Uh, predictable surprises, as I say, that was a, a book um, that was done by Mike Bazerman, a professor out of Harvard. And we have to constantly learn from our mistakes. We also have to learn from others as, as they go through these things. We talk about all disasters being local, but we have global learning opportunities. We have to look at how people handle or how people mishandle things so that not if, but when it happens to us, we have something we can relate to. We have something that we could include in our toolbox, if you will, so that we don't get caught making the same mistake. Right. So now you've been able to travel around the world and see some of the larger disasters and, and, and those things. What are some of the most recent ones you've gone to and what did you learn from them? Well, recently was in uh, Japan and had opportunity to talk with a lot of people about the Fukushima uh, disaster. And that was that was three disasters. You had an earthquake to start with. Then you had a uh, um, tsunami. And then you had the nuclear incident. Well, from an outsider, uh, listening to them, Japan thought there were opportunities for better preparedness. Okay. So they now want to be able to go back in there. And it's a culture that's different from our culture. And part of how we reached out to the communities and involve and empower the citizens, they had not done that. So they want to now learn how they can do that. One of the things we also learn is that they 
may not uh, integrate the private sector as well as we do uh-huh. in our preparedness and our response and our recovery. So I think that's going to be a change. But we also learn uh, kind of how resilient those communities are too. And one of the changes we see is the public officials now are recognizing the need to change the culture relative to emergency management. And that's going to make uh, make a huge change in that culture. So that's great. So so basically what we're doing now, and I, and I think I see this too with the growth of the internet. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even when I started, the internet wasn't a big thing. And, and now it really is, is that we're able to learn from different cultures and different disasters and, and the news that spreads across. So uh, it's really cool to bring in some of the things that they've learned in the past mm-hmm. in, into what, what's going on on today. Yeah. So where do you see this, the new trend? And, and yesterday you and I were able to participate in the fundraiser, the IAM fundraiser right. for the student scholarships. And we had a lot of great students there showing their the stuff that was out there. It was exciting to see the youth and and, the, and, and those people being wanting to get involved in emergency management. Mm-hmm. And when you started, there weren't really emergency management programs. What do you think of that? The colleges getting into that that realm. Well, Todd, that's, a, that's an excellent segue because when I talk about different cultures, the cultures in our society in the United States, uh, there's a youth culture, right. there's a young culture, there's an elderly culture. So we've got to do a better job on bridging uh, that gap. We got to be able to listen. As, as somebody that's been in 42 years, <laughs> I need to be listening to the person who's just walking through the door. Right. They need to listen too to value the experience that we folks who've been in the business a little longer, but with the new technology, with the new innovations and uh, resources and tools that are there, we need to know how to best apply them. And the younger folks are able to do that. And the younger folks are also able to influence in the colleges and universities what's being taught as well. So we all need to listen to one another a lot better. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Yeah, that's so true. I like that a lot. That is awesome. Yeah, I actually learned a lot um, this week uh, speaking to the students. I got to speak to them on Sunday um, in the student uh, breakout forum that they had and got to meet some of the, the student leaders that here are an IEM. And, and the cool part about them is that the students that are here aren't just all 20-somethings. There's some, we got to speak to a, a nice young lady. She's in her mid-40s and she's doing a new career and she went back to school mm-hmm. and she's excited about getting into emergency management. And then we talked to some of the kids that are in their 20s, and it's really exciting to see that that growth on, on that side. And so I think that I think we're going to be leaving uh, emergency management in some good hands here in the future with these students. Todd, I think the advantage here is the richness and diversity. Uh, somebody who's had some life experiences is now going back to get trained technically, if mm-hmm. you will, and in a profession that we uh, need that's constantly growing and the mix of the youth that's coming on. We have to value that diversity. And it's not just the age diversity, it's the cultural differences too. We have to get more young people. We have to get more women. We have to get more people of color. We have to reflect our communities a lot more because everybody brings immeasurable resources to the game when you're trying to build a resilient community. 
Yeah, I actually spoke to uh, Vince Davis. I'm not sure if you know uh, Vince or not, but he wrote a book. Um, he's from Chicago. Uh, he wrote a book about tribal um, um, and underserved communities and how to prepare them. And we talked a lot about that diversity and the message mm-hmm. it has to come through. And, you know, you're right. And, and having the people, the right people, to be able to spread that message is, is really important. Mm-hmm. And uh, I th- hopefully we're doing a good job of, of encouraging uh, people from different cultures and different backgrounds to get involved in this dynamic, exciting job. And, and we also need to diversify our disciplines. Mm. And what I mean by that is we need public health at the table, exercising with us, planning with us, training with us. We need public works. We need public transportation. We need the media sitting at the table so that they understand what role and responsibility they have. And as, as more than important than anything else, we need the elected public officials right going through an orientation as the first order of their business when they get elected as to what their roles and responsibilities are relative to planning for, responding to, and recovering from disasters. And that way, we now have it as a lexicon that we're all dealing with, and we can better uh, build a resilient community. Yeah, that's something I saw that was pretty interesting from a takeaway uh, from Hurricane Harvey is that you had two separate political bodies giving two separate different messages. You had the mayor of Houston saying one thing, and then you had, like, I guess it's a, they call him a judge, the county judge, saying, which is, I guess, like a board of supervisors here in LA County, uh, saying something different. And and I, I really wish as an emergency manager that we could get these guys in the room together first, kind of like a like a political unified command, you know, and, and be able able to get on the same page and get the same message out there because it's difficult. How do you do, how do you deal with something like that? Well, after 9-11, what started trending was the, what's called UASI, right. uh, Urban Area Security Initiative. And what that did was look at it not from a, a, a myopic jurisdictional perspective, but looked at it from a regional perspective. Unfortunately, we don't have regional elected officials. <laughs> you know, we have right. official in this space and official in this space. So what what we're going to have to do is start looking at how can we bring in the council of governments? How can we get with the National Association of uh, Councils of Government and stuff and sit them down and say, we have, uh, this, we share the same threats and hazards. We need to prepare a way that we can be force multiply with our response resources, etc. Who's on first? How do we get that warning out? Because we cannot count on just stopping at jurisdictional lines. The, disa- the disaster doesn't read the plan. Right. So the disaster is going to happen. It's going to happen where it's going to happen. And if it happens on the jurisdictional line, if we aren't prepared or have not prepared a relationship with that jurisdiction next to us, and we understand what resources we have, and more importantly, what resources we don't have, then that's where we missed the opportunity to have a sem- seamless uh, approach. So from UIC to regional planning, and then you look at being the spring in the state and the other jurisdictions in to help resolve problems. Do you think there's an ego issue that we have to to, to go through to, to break down before we're going to get that coordination? Or is this something that we can do um, as emergency managers at our level and do it from a bottom-up kind of, uh, of work? 
uh, ego, maybe power play sometimes. Mm -hmm. But what we have to do is suspend our disbelief and lead. We have to show people why it's better for us to work together than to try to work alone. And and you, you really have to have those conversations. You have to bring the people together and say, we can do this. You can't. I can't. So, But collectively, we can do this together. And if it requires you putting in place um, different rules for engagement, changing policies, do that. Sit down and do a gaps, gives, and gets workshop. Right. Uh, we got a gap here. What can you give to help fill it? What do you need to get to, to help? I'll give you a crude example. I was doing some work in Boston. The Boston Pop Philharmonic said, uh, we have buses. We have food. We have places we can take people and house them in an emergency. What we don't have is a credential to get through that line where that rookie cop, you told him to keep everybody out and he's keeping everybody out. Right. What I need is a credential. And you've got a law enforcement sitting over there. I can give you a credential. So that cuts out the red tape. Right. The conversation has been done. You've solved the problem without having to pass laws. Right. So we need to do more of that. Gaps, gives, and gets. Bring the community in. Bring the private sector in. Bring the philo- uh, traffic folks to the table and do those types of discussions, those types of exercises, and you'd be surprised how much you can accomplish without laws. Right. Like we always say, we don't want to be trading uh, business cards back of the car during a disaster, right? And that and that exercise is called building relationships, establishing connections, building relationships so that when you have to get together, you shouldn't even have to have a business card. Right. If you're not already in the Rolodex, you probably shouldn't be out there anyway. And Rolodex <laughs> is an old term, maybe the contact list. If you're not already on the contact list, you probably shouldn't be at that incident anyway. Right, right, right. That's so true. Man, and, and like I said, I, I see this uh, exciting, dynamic career field that's uh, growing. Not only are we touching our government bases, but we're in hospitals, uh, private sector businesses. I mean, even Target and Walmart have emergency management logistics aspects. And building upon, like, say, a Walmart or a Target and using their logistics functions to move disaster supplies across the country, I think, is a really unique way of bringing in those private-public partnerships and things like that. Um, How can we build more relationships like that? Is it just going out and shaking hands? It, yes, it is. It is really that simple. But we also have to understand what each player can bring to the table. When Northridge occurred in, in um, Los Angeles, Anheuser Busch provided water. Well, folks thought it was the Anheuser Busch in um, in Los Angeles. The water came from Georgia, from Cartersville, Georgia, because what Anheuser Busch does on a daily basis is ship beer all over this country, and the plant was in the Hazard area. All the new plant and Cartersville, Georgia had to do is flip a switch and now it's water on the can and water in the can. And the next morning, the water was here because they get beer here the next day. So you have to understand what resource or capability you have. And you don't go to Anheuser and say, Anheuser, I want 10 million cans of water out of this shop. You tell them what the need is. Let them solve the problem. Mm. And they do logistics on a daily basis. So by forming that relationship, understanding what capability capacity they have, you give them your need and let them fill it. So how do we invite a business like an Anheuser-Busch or a Target or Walmart to that table prior to the disaster? I mean, here I am, I'm a small city emergency manager. I mean, I, can I just go over and knock on their door? Or do we have to do like, like build like into like the League of Cities or in California, for instance, we have the CISA or internationally here we have IAEM. How do we build this? How do we bring them into that fold? 
Why did you say, should we just go knock on the door? Because if you want to meet your new neighbor, you simply go knock on the door. Why can't you do that for that new Anheuser-Busch or whatever that company is? Knock on the door. If they don't answer the door, then you look for other avenues in. Uh, You know, ideally, if you're there before they get their permits to build and everything, you want to have a discussion with them. But if if you come in and they're there, yes, go knock on the door. uh, Find your low-hanging fruit. If there's hazardous materials, you got uh, probably reason to be there for inspections, etc. If they're part of the Chamber of Commerce, you go to the Chamber of Commerce and say company A through 30, I need to talk with you all uh, collectively and individually. And I want you to help me make this a safer community. And you employ people. I want you to help me train this community by you training your employees. And if we are training them to the same thing, look how great that is. Right. Yeah, I reached out to when I was doing my disaster recovery plan uh, for the city I was working for at the time. I did reach out to the Chamber of Commerce and they were more than willing to help out because it's their businesses that are going to really be impacted. So I think they are happy about it. Right. And it's not only their business. They love to uh, market the fact that they are a safe place to live. They're a safe city. They're a safe county. And when everybody's working together and on, on the same page, they can stand up and pound their chest that we are one of the best prepared cities around. Right. And that's good marketing. It is good marketing so much. What are you doing now since you're retired, I suppose, but you're always busy. So I don't think you're really retired. So what are you doing now? Um, for the International Association of Emergency Managers, I'm, um, I chair the global board. And what we're doing from a global perspective is reaching out across the globe, building connections, building relationships, uh, creating training opportunities so that we can help other countries develop a substantive emergency management program. Now, I realize that that's not a cookie cutter process. We have to go in, we have to evaluate the cultural differences and how they work within their own framework. And one of the things we do, we start at the top. We, we, we talk to the horse's head to start with and see what they think their needs are, what their gaps might be, and then encourage them to see the value of making sure that their people are educated and trained in emergency management. So that's quite rewarding. It looks like we'll be uh, in Africa before the end of the year. Uh, the Caribbean has been ex- excited about getting us involved. And the Middle East. So those are three opportunities that I'm, I'm excited about. I still do uh, consulting work. When I left government, I worked for a private firm for about five or six years, a second private firm, and now I work for uh, myself uh, doing uh, uh, consulting and and emergency management, uh, major event planning, homeland security, et cetera. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you for that, how would they get in touch with you? Well, uh, just Google me, but I'm I'm Ella Stanley uh, Sr., and you can find me a hundred different ways. All right, cool. And, and we'll put your uh, LinkedIn stuff down at the bottom. Yeah, 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 you can do that. Okay, yeah, we'll put that in the bottom of the show notes here. I had a good conversation a couple months ago with former administrator uh, Greg Fugate, and it was really really cool conversation. Uh, we talked a little bit about the flood insurance and stuff like this. I know it's really his passion uh, about changing some of that now. Now that you you were on the short list uh, for FEMA at one point, so I know you know how that operates. How do you think and how do you think it's going now for them? 
Uh, Todd, I was I was just in uh, Japan and and Craig was with us and uh, they they made the best decision hiring Craig. Craig is a, a preeminent emergency manager and I think he did wonderful things uh, with the the organization. And I I think he left it in a position that it can ta- can continue to rise. I, I don't think any organizations or the four years after somebody leave be the same place. I, I think they need to put it in a position that it continues to grow. And I. Think I think I'm, uh, I'm excited about the fact that uh, we're seeing good people come into those positions. Um, and really, they've been pressed this year to, t- to show their worth. Right. And one of the things I was excited to hear is how they are now able to le- leverage the full order of federal government to uh, respond and help recovery, not just FEMA. So when FEMA gets over two or three disasters, they run out of personnel resources because they don't have that side. But now when they can tap in and the, all the other federal agencies who have the skill sets because they've been trained to do that. I think we, we're just seeing it grow. I think the opportunity is immersible. That's awesome. I know that Administrator Long has a uh, uh, hard job ahead of him with this recovery effort that's going on. And uh, it's uh, it's one of those things that's like, wow, I don't, I don't know if I want to be in his shoes or not, but I think that if we all can support that, I think we're, we're going to yeah. be better off on that. Well, I don't think anybody uh, shirks... Uh, following good leaders. Brock is going to be very good as well for emergency management and I I wish them all the the best. Here's the toughest question. What book would you hand to somebody, you know, a new guy, somebody graduates from college and says, hey, I'm here, I'm going to work for you, Mr. Stanley. What can I do to prepare myself? What book would you hand that guy or gal and say, read this and you'll be better off? Todd, I'm, I'm torn on that because I'm, I think leadership is the key to anything we do. Uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People I, it was a very good book for me. And there are dozens of good leadership books. Predictable Surprises, as I, I mentioned earlier, I think that kind of gives people uh, a, a good open because the things we see every day, we don't really see them. <laughs> and if we see them, we don't sit down and take a time to say, what if? What if we did? What if this happened? You know, we see that bridge every day. Uh, but we don't inspect whether that bridge is in good condition or whether it's going to fall. So right. predictable surprises kind of says, you know, look right around you and be able to handle those things that's right in your peripheral view. Don't just see them and keep going. So I, I think that's that was a good book for me. Cool. That's a, that's a, I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Predictable surprises. Yeah, you're right. I mean, how many times have you driven down the road and not thought about anything else? And, right. you know, it's one day that bridge falls out. It just right? falls. Right. Yeah. And, and you, you know, they've been expecting it. You know, there's probably a hundred worksheets to say, we got to do this or we got to do that. And we just kind of set it to the back burner because it was there when we came to work this morning. Right. So we, we have to take a look, a closer look at those things that are right in front of us and put them on a to do list and guess what actually do it right yeah. right so sir is there anything else that you'd like to add before uh before we let you go well, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about the new partnerships that's formed relative to building resiliency in our world. I'm excited about the fact that health is on board after 9-11. They are now first responders. I'm excited about the fact that we've got a lot of young, energetic, smart 
people coming uh, to replace us. I'm really excited about that. And I think one of the things I'm most excited about is the individual, the citizen. The citizen, I think, has a greater appreciation now of their roles in, in emergency management. And I think we'll see that uh, change infect a lot more. And I think we'll have a more resilient community. Well, this was a pleasure seeing you again. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Todd. I enjoyed it. My name is Mario Saba. I'm from the Massachusetts Maritime Academy. I'm here because I'm in the IEM student chapter at the school. I'm the treasurer there. We're here because IEM is a great way for us to network and find jobs. I, I love it. I'm having a great time on Long Beach, you know. It's not 40 degrees back home in Boston, uh, so that's always fun. I, it's a great opportunity to meet and network people, find out what you want to do potentially in the future. So, yeah, I'm having a great time. It's fun. Hi, I'm Laura Hahn. I'm from Boston Medical Center, and I am here at this conference to just get some more advice and input on emergency management. Uh, we have a really small department, it's just two people, so we always look to bring in other people's lessons learned into our actions at a hospital. Hi, I'm Haley Delhanti, also from Massachusetts Maritime Academy. Um, we're here, like he said, for the student chapter, um, just exploring all the options really. I, I've had a very slim look at what I want to do in my future, so this is a great opportunity to see everything else. I am Jeff Edelstein with SOS Survival Products, and come to IAM, I made some great relationships, uh, good contacts with emergency managers, and uh, it's just a great venue to, to network. Dr. Michael Kemp from Papella University, and the thing that I think we wanted to get out of the conference was create strategic partnerships, meet interesting people, and promote the profession. Did you get that out of the conference? I think so. Cool. All right, awesome. And anything else you want to tell anybody that might want to come here next year? Bring a lot of business cards. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah, we're Federal Resources. We're a total solutions provider uh, for all state, local, federal, and uh, DOD customers. Um, the show's been pr pretty good. It's been pretty busy. Uh, we're getting a lot of leads for a lot of the hazmat and first responder equipment that um, are requirements for you guys. It's been a good time. Hi, my name's Barb Clark. I'm the training and exercise manager for the Intermountain Center for Disaster Preparedness. We are based in Salt Lake City, Utah, and we provide training and education as well as offer drills and exercises. We help organizations plan and do assessments as well as do research into best practices. What we offer to the whole community is an opportunity to learn. And we're here at IEM to help support uh, the mission of our organization organization, which is to provide all those great services that we just discussed. Hi, my name is Shannon Levine, and I'm from Lighthouse, and we provide contractor support to emergency management agencies across the country, and so I'm here at IAEM just to be able to learn more information and see the people that we do work with and support. So. Busty Luke, Los Angeles County, Office of Emergency Management. Uh, the benefit of being here for me is being, well, is the opportunity to 
interact and network with people that I may have not seen in a while, uh, get some best practices on those who've gone through some experiences with any type of disaster that they may have been addressing, whether or not it's the hurricanes and having to deal with housing, whether or not it's the fires in Northern California, and how they're dealing with the evacuations. So this is an opportunity to for, um, understand some of the conflicts, situations, and some of the issues that may have been addressed by some of these other jurisdictions and learning from those experiences. Hey, good afternoon. My name is uh, Lieutenant Dave Vahonsky. I'm the Secretary of the Uniformed Services Caucus and the Secretary Treasurer for IAEM Region 3. And uh, I love coming to IAEM because it's a great experience. Get to meet the people that I work with before I get out into the field. And it's a great opportunity to network and to uh, focus on some of the uh, scholastic pieces of uh, emergency management. Cool. Thank you very much. No problem. Thanks. Painless, right? <laughs>